Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. This is Rebel Guru Radio, episode 48. This is Rebel Guru Radio with best-selling spiritual author Eric Pepin. Introducing a new incarnation of world-renowned spiritual teachings, Higher Balance Dojo. Dojo is Higher Balance's latest digital training membership. Inside the Dojo studio, you'll find loads of curated content, handpicked and organized to help you learn the most important lessons and techniques that are guaranteed to bring about spiritual transformation, initiate real mystical experiences, and inspire you to reach ever-increasing new heights on your journey to spiritual awakening. Sign up for a $1 trial to Higher Balance Dojo now and experience it for yourself by visiting hbidojo.com. That's h-b-i-d-o-j-o.com. Follow us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash higher balance. Designed by the rebel guru himself, Eric Pepin, Magnetic Pill was made to enhance results with all higher balance training. Accelerate sensory development, achieve deeper meditations, better overall focus, and so much more. Go to magneticpill.com forward slash rebel for $10 off every month or get a three-month supply with our buy two, get one free special. Order now and we'll include a free guide listing three techniques you can start doing right away to hone your psychic mind. In this episode, listen in on a part of the Higher Balance webinar, The White Room. Explore the connection between simulated reality the afterlife, and the soul. Eric explains the unpolluted state of consciousness that you operate from and where you really are when you operate from this place. Enjoy. To access the full class, which includes a guided dreamscape experience, go to rebelgururadio.com forward slash the white room. So where does anybody want to begin? Because this is going to be a very interesting class. Go ahead, Michael. Well, what is the white room? The white room essentially, well, you know, to just jump into that direct conversation, it almost needs a full background conversation to get there. Okay. Ultimately, You could say that the white room is the operational place that you operate from or what would be considered the highest or closest level to the true you, to your true consciousness. And that is what we refer to as the white room. Uh, You know, this goes into several things. It's to say that when one imagines one's death if there were a heaven whoever whatever heaven is to anybody 
when you conceive the idea of heaven, what are the first thoughts you have? What, what color? Pink, orange, fuchsia, white. Why white? So somewhere in the subconscious of man, throughout culture, there is an inner kind of knowing, little tidbits, little clues, little pieces to kind of try to put together. And there is a, a truth to that. But, you know, this really requires a conversation that we're going to have rather than just jumping to the white room. I, I will explain the white room, okay? And, and, and we will have a lot of information on it. But I don't know if I necessarily want to just jump right into it that way. Okay, I can't hear you, but I can only imagine what you're saying. <laughs> I said, I'm sorry for not having a softer entry question. Why the white room now? Why, why are we ready for the white room? Well, I think that there are, are a number of sciences and technologies that are, are at the pivotal point of exploding, meaning in a, in a good way, um, exploding meaning coming forth. Um, I, I don't think we're that far away from a theory of everything. And a theory of everything, just to summarize and simplify it, is that if we can get to a point where we can get a theory of everything and everything kind of works and makes perfect sense, you, you have to realize that shortly afterwards, and I do mean very shortly afterwards, you will see a technological huge explosion because it, it means that we have a means now of approaching from every angle. You know, astrophysics should make sense with, you know, quantum physics, quantum physics should make sense with, et cetera, so not string theory. String theory's out, it's out. If it's in, it's in. But it would make real, it should just make sense with everything, you know, to that this functional and, and bulletproof and test. When that happens, that is going to be like a, a very um, epoch level of human civilization kind of moving to the next level. And I, I think we're going to see it in our lifetime. I, I don't think it's very far away. So when you ask why the white room now, because there's so much push, so much questioning, so much thought going into the simulated reality that I think it's inevitable that humanity begins to test and retest and re-question the idea of what reality is. And it's on everybody's mind. And if we don't seize that moment, then something's going to happen, which has already happened once because we've been here already. This is a repeat. This is like uh, the matrix has been scrapped and rebuilt again. And not in the way that you think in the movie, but in the way that I'll say the first attempt, well, there's probably been multiple attempts, but one of the best attempts wasn't that long ago. And it was called the holographic, okay, universe. And we, we looked at that and we said holographic. And that was really what they were trying to say was the simulated reality. But no one really wrapped their mind around it, at least the majority of people. It really was something that was a thought or a fleeting thought or try to wrap your mind. This is why I always say if the people aren't ready, it doesn't take. This is why there's no point in throwing pearls before swine. Nobody's going to understand. So you almost have to wait for humanity to educate itself through movies, through books, through various storylines on the subject, et cetera, so on and so forth. So it's, it's not that we haven't been here already. We have. We called it the holographic universe or the holographic reality, if you will, stuff like that. It's essentially the same thing, but it would not take to the clay. It was rejected and it was erased. You almost never 
hear about it anymore. It's almost kind of just just put the sleep and shoved off in the boat and let it let it go down the river. The question is, is why? Why would something so pushing, so cutting edge, so probably closer to the truth than anything at that time, why would it be suppressed from everybody kind of grabbing onto it and really going somewhere with it? So simulated reality is the reinvented child, in my opinion, of a holographic universe. It's, it's better, it's broader, but that's because we got more thinking people, more science, more philosophers, more grit to the whole concept. And we probably are more willing to approach it as a collective because you have some very famous names who are saying they can't dispute it. They, they are basically on board with this idea. So because of that, that helps the collective move forward. And we had to wait for certain people in our societies to really kind of help bring that as a collective way. Anything too soon, too fast for the collective will get pushed out. And only the rare few are able to hang on to it. I do think that the people in higher balance are really part of the, the rare few, at least in the spiritual aspect, that are really on the cutting edge of this. You probably know more than most people would. So now is the time to push because we can ride the collective wave of thought in this. We can, we can firmly start pushing into the possibility of it cracking little bits and pieces opening openings for us to to really see or observe or experience or dial into now is the time that it's it's ripe i hope that answers your question so are you saying that whatever created the simulated reality wants humanity to figure out that it's a simulated reality i don't think it wants it to figure out simulated simulated reality i think inevitably it knows that we will figure it out and I think that it does everything it can to stall or erase uh, any big movements to that because, you know, it's, you know, the, the, the problem and the reason why it doesn't want one to really know on a, a larger collective level is you have to realize that if we're studying in, let's say, the Amazon jungle, various creatures, or there's some culture that hasn't been exposed to the human race and, or our human race per se. Um, we want to observe what they do, what medicines they, they use, where do they find them, how do they prepare them, how do they utilize them. Is there something in their culture that we're not familiar with or that we have never seen before? If we can witness that, we can learn something unique, okay? then that's why we don't want to disrupt them. We don't, we don't, once we come in with our clothing, our medicine, our whatever, or we, we have animals that are aware of us, their natural mechanism of how they do things changes. It's, it's subconsciously aware of us or it's threatened by us, or it immediately takes on our knowledge. Maybe it's more advanced. Okay. So therefore it just simply stops or, or it, it changes what they're doing. So we, we learn not just medicines, but social behavior and how they deal with disasters and stuff. There is usually something that's completely unique that we never knew. You know, you used to hear all the time, you know, we can't cut down the Amazon because the Amazon always got all these medicines that we, we haven't even discovered yet. By ripping down the forest, we're going to lose whatever may be there, but you don't hear that no more. So inevitably, if we understand that if if a species or a race is aware that we're observing it, 
it then changes or alters its process of doing things. So if the creators, if you will, of, of the simulated reality, the matrix call, whatever you want, become aware that we're aware, how does that change our behavior? How does that start to change our thinking? How does that start to change what we do? If we were created, if this was all created for what is called ancestral civilization, meaning like the game, The Sims, or we, we, it runs this scenario of human right, life from the very beginning or from, from whatever period. It could, go, it could go as far back as Earth being a molten lava and organisms arriving and, and, and working its way up to us, okay? So the, the point is, is that it's learning from us. It's learning to see what we would do that it cannot predict. What we do that surprises it or shocks it or goes, oh my God, we never, we never thought of it that way. So we are likely made in their image. We, they may be the human race in the future, let's say. And in so doing, it's like watching, as I said before, hurricane analysis. We do many hundreds of thousands of hurricane variations from different temperatures, different weather systems, cooler seasons, warmer seasons, flukes in nature, and we see which way the hurricanes develop and what paths they take. So once we, we have all this data and there is a real hurricane, we look at what matches the data that we had, okay? And we could say from our test, we've recreated this scenario. We have a, a pre-run one. Let's see what our map says it's going to do. So when it starts to go inland and it starts following the, 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 the basic pre-program uh, plan that we did, okay, it, it's to say, does it deviate in any way from what, what we calculated it would do? And how can this help us prepare different portions of the uh, inland before this, this hits? We can warn people instead of moments before or, or a day before, perhaps maybe even a week before it actually arrives so that they can prepare to put up boards and everything else. Often with our technology, it's still not perfect, okay? So to, to say that, you know, utilizing what we have today, you know, there's constantly always changes, but we always talk about our weather maps, our hurricane maps. This is pre-generated in computers various scenarios based on weather patterns, temperature patterns, everything else to see how far inland it'll go, how much damage it will do, uh, where is it gonna hit? Will it be down further on the coast or up around the coast? These are hundreds of millions of dollars worth of damage, so it's very worthwhile. So in the future, it's only logical that we would create civilization programs. And these civilization programs would run, what if somewhere's in history, a meteorite, wasn't as big as the dinosaurs got hit with. It didn't wipe out all the dinosaurs. It wiped out 50%. Would the human race still have arrived? Would the human race have survived? Would the human race have wiped out the dinosaurs? Or would the dinosaurs have wiped us out? Who knows? Let's run the scenarios. Let's run the numbers. Because we got a, a mega supercomputer to do this. Okay? So the, the idea behind it is... We, you know, and I don't want to go over stuff that we've kind of beaten in the ground, I feel, a, a lot. So I want to kind of bring new, new thought to, to the plate. But let me just say that it only makes logic when we look at technology at this very day and age where it will be in 50 or 100 years, literally that soon, okay? And we are already creating virtual realities. And those virtual realities are going to start becoming more appealing than our own reality. 
and you may start ending up working in a virtual reality with groups of people that you're in an office with, but you're literally physically in your home. And when you look around and you talk, it's literally as real as this is, okay? So it changes the whole demographic of how we see the world. Now, you, you push that out another 10, 20 years, how, how, I mean, are you capable of even envisioning how technology will change our world? And so on and so forth. So eventually technology gets so advanced, the point is, is that it becomes a new form of reality. The question then is, what parameters do we do it in, yada, yada, yada. More than likely, an advanced species isn't interested in creating a fantasy world. If they're going to have the resources, and it would take great resources still, even, even an advanced culture to a certain degree, but certainly fully capable, okay? And it depends at what point, you know, are, are they at, okay? And the, you know, that they're going to create ancestral civilization programs to see what ifs. What if the bubonic plague lasted longer than it did? Would have there been a Hitler? Would have there been a Mussolini? Would have there been a World War I or a World War II? Would have there been five world wars now? Would we be uh, technologically where we're at now or would we be technologically 200 years more advanced? So these are all what ifs to kind of make you think about things, okay? But if you, you, it should be very simple to see the value of doing something like this. And what makes a program exceptionally good, what we're always after is the details. So a computer can only be a quality level based on the computing power of how technical it can be. So the more real you can make it, the more legitimately random you can make it, the more detailed, right down to particles, okay? That is going to give you the highest level of accuracy Okay, so when we do hurricane generations, we might be able to calculate something that big. It's, it's hard for our computers to, to equate the size of it, the size of a hurricane. Then we have to equate what the temperature and what the, the air currents are and everything else. And the computer's kind of struggling to get that information. Okay, so now it's saying, okay, now we can try to run it, but there's a lot of things we don't know. You know, what if there's, you know, different current changes from weather patterns, you know, on the other side of the planet? What if there are, you know, land masses that have changed or a major city was developing new technology with solar? The solar creates a atmosphere warmer than normal, and that pushes the hurricane by 2%. But over a long run and distance, it, it shuts, it, it makes the calculations incorrect for the big supercomputer, you know, or for the big program to see where that hurricane's going to go. So that's why they're always adjusting it. There's things that we weren't able to calculate yet for, but bring us a better computer. We can calculate that and we can create computers that are going to tell us what happened in the Gulf Stream that might affect the wind and the change in the current. Okay. So more detail, greater accuracy. There's, there can never really be a limit to the amount of detail that we would want. It's just a matter of what we can get from the technology we may have. When that technology becomes so phenomenal and it's able to go from particle level to massive epic size and be able to crunch all those numbers, okay, now you have something that's incredibly accurate. So the purpose of reality as we know it, why we can even have a conversation here, why does it matter in a civilization uh, program that we blow our nose and that it's aware that we brush our teeth and that we get maybe a, a tooth decay for a thing. It's because 
even that may be that you someday, Colton, end up saying, I'm going to go back to school and I'm going to get into to astrophysics, okay? And you go into astrophysics and you become the guy who figures out some major thing and that, that affects the whole world over 30 years later, okay? But it all started from a conversation with you at the dentist and the dentist's son was an astrophysicist and he, he says, my son was very much like you, you know, you remember, do you remember you knew him and stuff and everything? He actually started a, a one year older than you. He's older than you. You could still do it. And you're like, you know what? I'm inspired. But if you never had that tooth problem, you never would have had that change in your life course. So it's got to calculate to a minute level of reality, all sorts of different sequences and possibilities. Does that make sense? Yes. Considering I think I forgot what the question was. I'm not sure if I answered it. We're getting a lot of those these days. Maybe I'm just getting older. So what was the question again? Let's make sure I answered it well. I forgot what it was too. <laughs> Good. All right. Uh, anybody else? All right, Tracy? So you talk about all the different simulations and if all these sims are running at the same time, how many of them are we in? Well, no one would be able to answer that. And I certainly wouldn't answer that because there's not really a way for me to even know. I don't even know if they know, okay? So the, the, the point is, is this, let's just say in all likelihood, there is a, an infinite amount, okay? And in that infinite amount raises so many different possibilities, it's almost mind boggling, okay? Because 10 to one, they're running efficiently, as efficiently as possible. Everything in the universe runs efficiently, incredibly efficient. Nature is extremely efficient, okay? We're nowhere near as efficient as nature is almost in anything that we do. So having said that, there is a likelihood that there's also truths to our concept of reincarnation. There's little truths, just like the white room, there's little truths. Why do we, we get fascinated with reincarnation? So why would a simulation program wipe out certain aspects of your personality if it wants to run it? Meaning you, why it would, it may utilize a lot of your body designs, a lot of your thought process, a lot of your identity, basically duplicate you, just like you duplicate a computer disc over and over and over again. But now you, you're playing a game and every time you play the game, you, oh, I died, click it, restart again at a certain level, which is all you, but still it's less you because it doesn't know what's going around the corner and you, know, you, you cut up, excuse me, at a certain point. So it may utilize you in medieval times. It may utilize you in future times. It may utilize you in other countries, other, other body designs. You might be Asian, you might be Afro-American, you might be U Ukrainian, okay? So it's, it's utilizing certain things. It makes logic that it likely will utilize some level of that. And it also depends on the technology, okay? So there's, I think there's various kinds of programs they would run, and there could be ones that are very much in this realm of possibilities and other ones that are extremely uniquely different than what we would consider or even be able to understand. So to say how many other parallel programs are running that would depend on computer power. It would compute on all, all of these levels. But let's, let's try to make you understand something, okay? The computer power is based on how much computer power can you create? What is the amount of energy you have? So we've heard a lot about, I forget what it's called, but it's the thing that goes around the sun if they built something, okay? And that would be an infinite amount of energy. That would be 
enough energy to do the job, okay? So now we have this energy and we understand it's certainly possible. Some people would be say like, how is it possible to build that around there? It would be probably nanotechnology where it literally is robots duplicating itself and it's the robots that are duplicating itself that's actually building everything and over a certain amount of time or how many robots you have, it's certainly feasibly possible, okay? And sources for material and everything. So now that computer, it's limited also by its computing power. So if it's gonna compute a universe, okay, or a galaxy, it's going to maybe use a third of that entire system of, of operating, or it may use all of it. We don't know, it depends on that technology. So all of the realities we have, okay, is we don't know. But what I find is, is that when we look at it that way, there's this kind of like, yeah, you know, I, I, I don't know, I don't feel comfortable with all that. And then, I, you know, it, it always goes back to the same thing. One can do this and go, nah, 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 well, you don't realize that's what you're doing. But if I say to you, well, you always believed in other dimensions, you always believed in other realities of, of, of spatialness, so why can't you accept this? This is basically the same thing. It's just a cleaner, better way for us to understand it. It's not so, like, one would think, how do you wrap your, your mind around other universes? Well, there are just other universes. There are, there are other realities. There are other dimensions. Well, where did that dimension come from? How is it produced? How is it generated? Is there a power source that keeps it going, you know? Is there a power source that keeps our, our reality going? Yes, it's called the sun, Okay. So it, it, it's all a matter of aspect of how you want to look at it, okay? So if, if, you, if you look at the generation of other programs through the aspect of what we'll call a computer for the moment, okay, then you actually have a way of mentally approaching that and saying, I, I can understand that. My brain is capable of understanding that. My primitive primordial ooze body that grew out over millions and millions of years or hundreds of million years actually now can understand that. It's, it's much more specific than just to use the loose new agey term of, oh, they're just other dimensions. I've gotta know, how is this fucking possible, okay? It, this, is, this is what makes sense, this is what makes logic, and this is, this is a higher truth, and therefore, if I can understand this, I have a way of hacking it. If I keep chasing the elusive unicorn of, oh, it's just another dimension, you know, you just, just wait for the fairies to come out of the tree. They're from another dimension, okay? That really is not useful information to me. Making me understand that there are simulated realities, maybe all running on the same platform that we're running on, makes a lot more logic to me. It makes a lot more logic to me to say that I see a person walking down the hall that's transparent, that looks holographic, that's ignoring me, to say that 10 to 1, that's another parallel program that's running in its reality. And for whatever reasons, they're, 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 they're really seeping over one another. Just like watching TV in the old day and another TV show would kind of, in the background, you could see it kind of working around. It was just 10% of that image versus 90% of what you're watching. But clearly, you can make out stuff and it disappears. So, of course, in a primitive level, we're like, oh, there's ghosts, ah, you know, but in reality, it wasn't aware of us because it, it wasn't seeing us. We were able to see some of it. So we reacted to that in a such a way. And maybe that's part of the program. Maybe the part of the program saying, let's see how the human race will react if we do this, this, and this. Does that help at all? Okay. So... How many, how many other realities, how many, I, I, I think that, you know, I've always said there's an infinite amount. It's just how you want to look at it. Next. Rick. Right. Around the sun is a Dyson sphere. Yes, Dyson sphere. Thank you. 
Um, in the pre-work, you asked us to watch the end of the AI movie. Yes. And uh, with the benevolent aliens. And, and I just, you know, you just with the conversation you just had, one of the hardest things I think we have to deal with is putting a concept into reality, right? Like you said in the other class, like you say, oh, yeah, it's a reality, it's an illusion over and over again, but it doesn't actually hit home. Like you're not really grasping it. And uh, just watching that clip, it, it kind of gives you a different context, I think. Um, is there anything else that we should be doing to really bridge those those concepts together to make it more real? I, I thought the feels like from that movie was crazy. And Well, the, the, the question I have is, you know, was that a clip that I showed you guys with your group out here? Or was that with other groups? Yeah, that was with other groups. Okay, so that's good. So I, what I'm trying to do is make sure I am inclusive of everybody watching this right now. So if I was to talk to somebody who's already watched it, then they're going to have more insight and they're going to ask a different level of questions, okay? So my question to you is, what did you get from that? I, I don't think I've ever seen that movie, first of all. So I, it was amazing to me. Okay, and did you watch the whole movie or did you just watch the ending like I asked? I, I just watched the ending because I wanted to see okay, it before the class. Enough, okay. But, um, you know, when they're standing over looking down at him in the simulated reality. I mean, I don't quite know how to put into words that feeling. It was it was a really weird moment. And like a lot of, I think things that were not clicked yet clicked in that second. And uh, it was just a very interesting thing. It kind of freaked me out a little bit actually. Well, so. that's why I warned, you know, that this class may have a freak out level. Um, you know, I was very serious about that. And, you know, if we don't freak out a little bit, if it's not a little shocking, a little unnerving, a little jolty, a little bit like, ah, you know, it's really not anything new because it's only what you can conceive. When I, when I push the envelope, then I'm doing my job. When I make you scratch your head and go, wow, wait a minute, you know, I, you know, if you don't have that, then you've got a bubblegum source of knowledge that's not really challenging you to move to another level, okay? I don't, I'm not saying you have to believe what I believe, but if I do a good job, you're going to come to the same conclusion, same experiences, same, same everything. That's the point of it. So let's, let's back up a little bit. Let's, let's look at this species, if you will, okay, that were what we'll call the aliens. The question is, is what were the aliens? Did you come to a conclusion about that? I would think so. They looked human-esque, but they also said that um, there were secrets that we had that they would have liked to have had. So they looked like an evolved, possibly us in the future, or, or possibly okay. an offshoot. So let me let me stop and put a new filter in you, and that is, and it's not one that you probably don't have, but it's one you got to try to to utilize when you watch movies that we we learn from. You got to be very careful because the human ego is huge. So for this species to say, "Oh, there's special things about you," okay. That makes us all feel important, especially if we're the, the humans watching the movie and we're seeing how superior they are to us. There must be something special about us, which is still true about even now spiritually that we want to believe if we're in a if we're in a simulated reality. There's still got to be something special about us, right? Right, right, right. Okay, so I would probably table that. Do you see what I'm saying? And then continue to look at. You got to extract your own personal emotions and values when you kind of observe something to kind of extract the best level of information. So having said that, the question is, is this, they, they could be multiple different things. They could be an alien species or they could be us in the future that came back to our world. So if we got to a level of sending ourselves out into the universe, depending on the resources and who went on those spacecraft or those colonies, 
it depends on the world they go to, the technological advancement those people develop. And if you gave them 500 years, they may become more advanced than us on Earth, even though they came from Earth. It doesn't mean that they're communicating still. It doesn't mean that we didn't have issues with them politically because they broke off, much like you could say America versus England back in the day, okay? So in, in essence, technology would evolve in different places. And then maybe there's breakoffs. Maybe the human race had a, a war of their own and we got separated and a thousand years went by and they finally developed good enough technology that they could travel back faster rather than maybe having to, to go through different levels to get to the planet they were on. So the next thing is, is to say that in the future, will we look the same? Will we be the same? And to me, it's an absolute no, we will not look like we look today, okay? Already we're changing. And I've covered this in many discussions, okay? We're already, I mean, if somebody's seen you 100 years from now, seen you with earbuds hanging from your ear that are Bluetooth, that would be kind of like, what are those? New earrings? Are you from Zimbabwe? Are you from some unusual country? Well, oh my God, there's, there's somebody inside talking, you know? Or whatever, what now? Maybe 200 years or 500 years ago, Okay. I mean, the idea of, a, of, a, of an, an iPhone that's with a watch or, or a mechanism that's strapped to your hand that's measuring your heartbeat, your breathing, your, your all of these different things. Soon it'll be able to tell your blood sugars and all of this stuff, okay? So now we're wearing clothing that has technology. We're putting in pacemakers in our heart. We're, we're putting in new organs from other people, and now we're printing organs, and soon we'll have synthetic organs. Uh, now we're talking about eye surgery that will be able to see higher spectrums of colors than, than what we can now, okay? Are you telling me that you're not going to be like, yeah, all right, I'll try that as long as everybody else tried it first. I want to make sure they're keeping their eyeball. But, you know, we're, we're going to advance. We advanced already with yanking out teeth, Novocaine for teeth, to drilling teeth, putting lead in it, removing the lead, replacing it with a, a higher polymer plastic or whatever. And then now we're making the teeth look white again. And now not only are we yanking them out and putting fake teeth in, now we're drilling them in as parts and making them stay implanted. So now you may get some synthetic drops of water that actually make your teeth grow again, okay? So it's inevitable that in 20, 30, 40, 50 years or so, we, we will already have biologically begun to change we're going to start using more synthetic, more technology, more non-organic uh, materials because they're stronger, they're better. As long as we can get it to dial into our neural system so that we can feel, touch, taste, whatever that, whatever it is, and then even more sensory, okay, I think we're, we're going to be in. So if you have the option to get a shot in your arm, let's say, okay, or what won't even be a shot, it could be a drop of water or a mister in your nose, that actually is going to nanotechnology so that you get the perfect body weight, muscle begins to build on you without working out, you, your brain level starts to increase significantly, but they're, they're basically you know, uh, uh, nanobots that are creating wire fiber technology in you to improve you, okay, and to, to take over your, your organs to assist them better, okay? And now you got a six pack, you're in great shape, all your, your diseases and viruses have been eradicated from your body. In fact, you can never catch a cold, a flu, nothing again, because they'll immediately find it in your bloodstream and kill it. And we already are working on stuff like this. So would you say no to that? Uh, no, definitely not. I, that sounds awesome. Well, there awesome. are people who will fight that, but you know, you, you, you have your, your Puritans. But the vast majority of society, society is going to be very interested in that. So at what point 
do you decide that you want to change your your I mean we're already doing this through plastic surgery but even more so what what ideally would you do and eventually over time I personally believe we're going to get tired of hair we're going to get tired of facial hair we're going to get tired of of certain things and as the future progresses I already see younger people now shaving all of their hair off. It's very common in the younger generation to get rid of all your pubic hair now. I've, I have students who I ask, did you shave the hair off your arm? And they're like, yeah, I just like it. It's smoother that way, okay? This is, this is the progression. Now, we may mock that at our generation, but really, I mean, what, are we, what have we started to do that's differently? I mean, there's got to be the point where we shave the hair off of our chest and we says it's too much work, but for them, it's not, you know? But we were already playing around with these ideas, okay? So I think eventually, as we start to look more and more alike, when everybody's physically fit, when nobody wears eyeglasses no more, because there's no need for it, when no one has... A, you're, you're going to find that these things become mundane and not as important. So now you're going to say, I don't really need the hair. Why do I need to wash it and brush it and do stuff? Just get rid of it. Get rid of all this. It doesn't matter. I, can, I still look and feel 100%. So eventually, I see a, a unified look in the far future. And it's, it's something that is just a level of where we deduce basically on observation of others and, and how we look differently. Um, so... This is something where you could say 2,000 years, they said they, they, they 2,000 years had passed since he was frozen, meaning the, the robot kid, okay? So that 2,000 years, what were that species before they arrived? You know, what were they 2,000 years ago? What were they 5,000 years ago? What were they 10,000 years ago? So if, if, if we had someone come to your home that was in the time machine from 3,000 years to this, okay? I mean, they understand a home, they understand water, they understand clothing, but they're gonna look at your stuff and they're gonna be mystified how you got the patterns and the lines on your shirt and how, you know, who, who sewed those buttons and what are those buttons made out of? And, and wow, look at the intricacy of, of your archway and your door. This is like palace level, but it's even better because it's made out of materials they've never seen. It's not necessarily just made from hard stone or from, from carved from wood with a chisel, okay? So this is where we begin to change. So what if they were us and they were returning back to Earth to reunite from what their species came from? And when they got here, they realized, oh my God, life is gone. The world is frozen over. There's no more life for 2,000 years been here. So now when you go there and you're looking at the movie and you see these cuts into the, the, what looked like the ground, is they're really cutting into the ocean, okay? So essentially they're doing an archaeological dig and that's what their species is doing until eventually in this archaeological dig, they discover this boy and they're like, look, he's, he's a robot. He's not biological matter that basically broke down and there's nothing to work with no more. He, he is intact and he has video memory and some level of neurosystem from the, from the species that lived here at one time that we want to know more about. Wouldn't you want to know if we went to Mars? If there was a species on that planet, we look all over Mars, nothing, nothing. We start digging in the ground. We start doing archaeological digs, and we start finding buildings and structures and, and things. We're like, wow, this is very different than what we'd ever would have imagined, you know? Different building styles, different, different everything. 
but God, there's not, there hasn't been anything here for thousands of years, maybe, maybe even a million years. And all of a sudden we find what looks like a robot of some type or something that we can tell is not organic that they must have created with their technology. I think we can plug into that. I think we could turn it on. I think we could power it up. Would we be interested? We think it has memory from, from civilization at that time. Recorded, sound, audio, smell, everything. Damn straight we're interested. So they, they find him, and this is what they're, they're looking for, and they treat him, interestingly enough, not like an object, but like a, a, a sentient being with real feelings and real emotions, even though we, they know he's not biological. But the interesting thing is, is neither are they. They, in turn, could be artificial intelligence that we create that supersedes the human race, and they come back to Earth, okay? That they, in turn, create their own civilization. So the, the possibilities are, are endless, but the streamlining of the body is to say that if the human race lasts long enough, I'm not saying that's exactly how we'll look, but I can see us moving that direction. I often make a joke, a comment, that the grays are coming from the future back, and it's really us. Because if you look at a gray's body, it's small, it's simple, it's unified. If you really think about everything that I just said and you think about energy efficiency, we won't care anymore or have an ego on how tall we are or how short we are. We won't give a shit, okay? Because all we're going to do is go to our house, sit down in a chair, sit down in some furniture. You're going to hear a boom. And then all of a sudden, you're going to see exactly what you see right now. Your body, your everything, they're in a virtual reality. So if they want to look like anything or be anybody, they can. They can even download personal traits so that when they talk, it sounds like a Western show, okay? Or anything they would want. Am I boring? No, this is awesome stuff. So the, the question is, is when we get to the point that, that we as a majority of the human race can start contemplating this, fathoming it, understanding the real possibility of it, it too now begins to change how we think how we perceive, how we deal with one another. So this in itself, this knowledge has a, a change just the same way that if we were to accidentally be discovered by people in, 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 in you know, the deep jungle of, of Brazil that never seen people, they would be at first shocked, but no matter what they see, they're going to start mimicking or copying or, or think we're gods. But it's going to, at the end, none of that matters. Is The fact is that now they are so affected, even if it was just for a few moments, that their whole pattern of life abruptly changes in their society. Our society with this knowledge is going to change. It's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. And it's already begun, in my opinion. So... When we, we look at these creatures, we, we see certain things that would be technological, in our opinion. If, if they were human, it would be maybe played out different. But you see when they want to share information, they just reach over and they touch one another. And then all of a sudden, you see the same images that are in, in the kid's brain, David, okay? They've downloaded all that data, and now they're, they're reviewing it in themselves. And then they touch another person. It's like, make a duplicate of the data, make a duplicate of the data, make a duplicate of the data. Now, there are shortcomings in the movie because I don't think it would be necessary to even touch. And I don't think it's something that they would do. It'd just be Wi-Fi-ish, if you will, something better. So they're, they're sharing data, which now tells me that they are either AI or they are a biological species that got so advanced that it's almost indistinguishable whether they're biological or whether they're, they're basically artificial everything or what we would consider artificial, which brings up a whole new argument, okay, as to what is artificial, okay? So in, in essence, 
when do you become artificial? The minute you get fillings in your teeth that aren't naturally produced by your body? When, when you are introducing chemicals into your body that normally wouldn't be there? When you get a, a, a leg implant, a hip implant? You know, at what point does it stop with the changes in your body to you say it's gotten to such a point now that you're no longer human? So when we look at them, it's fear for me to say that they could have been the human race before. What's interesting, when you look at their face, they will do a silhouette shadow of what looks like a human face, but it's actually just a holographic face they put on there. Now, one could argue, like much in the movie Contact, when she sees this, this mirage of a being moving towards her, eventually it takes the form of her father. And she says, why did you take the form of my father? Because we thought it would be most pleasant for you to feel comfortable because we know this is overwhelming. This is a shock. And if we appear to you in our normal form, it just would, you know, basically blow your mind. Okay. Or you wouldn't be able to have a conversation because you'd be so focused at absorbing data of what we look like that you're really not able to have a conversation, at least for some time, you know, that, that you're just, just kind of transfixed with what you're observing. So it's only logical that they would take on or silhouette the form of what we're most comfortable with if they want to have a conversation with us not being fully distracted. Makes logic. So, so I do think it's interesting that they silhouette the face, but that is also another aspect of the creator of the movie, and who knows if that would be accurate in reality. The point is, is that I love the design of the body that they created. I love the transparency, but you could see something's inside of them and yada, yada, yada. I, I agree with a lot of stuff that I see as strong possibilities, okay? When they take it to the next level, they say, okay, we're going to create this world for you. The real question is, we see them looking into what is a virtual reality, and they're all standing around it, looking in, watching it. I don't think there's anything really new about that. I've seen this in various movies over time in various ways of trying to show that, that same example, Okay. But it's, it's very good how they did it. But the question is, is David now lying on a bed with his eyes shut and he believes he's somewhere else because they're, they're creating it for him? Or did they really just manifest this whole room in front of him and he's physically walking in it and he thinks everything else is real and it is for all intents and purposes real? There's not a real way to know that. What we can tell you is they're looking into his mind. As far as I'm concerned, it's likely to be more efficient if, if he's in the real world, okay, for him to go into a dream world with all of that and it feels real, then it is for him, for them to create through, through energy or whatever you want, a, a space in order for this to, to transpire. Do you understand? But either way, they were able to observe him doing that. Now, you tell me, do you think an advanced technology would be able to plug into your brain, hijack it, okay, without your knowing, and you're just laying on a bed. And in the meantime, you really think that this is your real life right now. And they could be observing. You. Of, of course. I mean, that would probably be the most efficient way to do it. And it could Correct. change on the fly. So maybe you're really laying down in a white room. A lot of people ask us, where's the best place to start with our courses and material? The fundamental backbone of everything in our catalog is the foundation meditation system. This is a unique meditation technique geared to the purpose of absorbing prana, stimulating key regions of the body that enhance sensory development, and allow one to tap into a source of unbridled spiritual energy. Foundation meditation can be learned in our book, Meditation Within Eternity, or you can visit our website, foundationmeditation.com, 
to acquire the audio course. Again, that's foundationmeditation.com. Each of Eric's books comes with a secure readers-only section online that contains a treasure trove of complimentary free training material. When you add up all the free training you get with each book, you have a combined total value of over $1,000 in additional content. This includes classes, guided meditation exercises, and more. Digital and physical copies are available at higherbalancebooks.com. Order the set on discount now, and we'll also send you a free guru deck in the mail for physical orders. Again, that's higherbalancebooks.com. Go there now, order your set, and join the growing movement of spiritual adepts. Follow us on Instagram at Higher Balance Institute, all one word. If you like this podcast, please subscribe on iTunes and leave a positive review to help others like yourself find this knowledge. If you would like to support this podcast, please visit our online store at higherbalance.com. When I was young, I recall sitting in the back seat of the family car as we drove somewheres, probably just to get away. I remember seeing the rivets of the back seat, the leather contour, the fabric and texture of the floor mat. I was small. I remember looking upward through the window, seeing the reflection of the glass of myself, a metal lining along the glass trim. I could only see the trees and the sky moving by. I thought I could touch it, so I did, reaching my hand out the window to touch it. I felt it. I felt the air pushing and moving beneath my hand and the warmth of the sun upon its back. I think it was at that moment I began to awaken knowing that sometimes when you want to find something, you don't always find it in the way that you think you're going to. You see, my hand, it moved against the wind, pushing, weaving, feeling it, touching it, and the sun warming, soothing, healing. Somewhere's in between, I flew. Higher balance. We think outside of the box. A new kind of spirituality. A new kind of meditation. A revolution in consciousness. Thank you for listening to Rebel Guru Radio.